making waves, inspiring change, opening doors to an equal future. Here on the Trapes and Globe on Wheels Disability Advocacy Podcast, host Ming Canada journeys with an array of guests through the multifaceted world of disability advocacy. Guests will share their insights and will discuss some of today's most crucial questions and topics, as well as provide perspectives into the current disability rights movement and lifestyles of people around the world. Let's make waves together in the disability movement. Enjoy the episode. Erin Stuckey, welcome to the Trips and Global on Wheels podcast hour. Well, thank you so much for having me, Ming. It's great to be here. So Dr. Erin Stuckey is an epidemiologist and program officer at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, focusing on polio eradication. They contribute to the last mile of polio eradication by working with government and NGO partners to increase coverage of routine immunization and other essential health services in areas at high risk for polio in Pakistan and Afghanistan. And just for people who are not familiar with the field of epi, <laughs> I always struggle with the words, excuse yeah. me, epidemiologist, um, epidemiology, can you just give us a brief, brief uh, overview of what that is? Sure. So epidemiology and epidemiology, it sounds like epidermiology. So a lot of times people think it has something to do with the skin. Um, but epidemiology is the study of infectious disease dynamics or really doesn't have to be infectious disease, it's just health dynamics. Um, And so as a doctor, a medical doctor focuses on an individual patient. So what's going on with you or with me, um, diagnosing, treating, and what's what's happening within our bodies. Uh, Epidemiologists look at population as a whole. So we can say, okay, well, what's going on in this group of people? What if, or for a specific disease, how, who is getting this disease? Where? How is it being transmitted? So it's kind of population level rather than individual level. So moving on to the Gates yeah. Foundation and what they, um, what was their impetus for wanting to uh, eradicate polio? What got them started on this whole issue? I think that uh, until until then, um, when the Gates Foundation got started, kind of in the early two thousands. Um, the GPEI, so Global Polio Eradication Initiative, had already been going on for several decades. Um, so Bill and Melinda, so our, our co-chairs, wanted to get involved. Uh, it's making sure that we can have um, a polio-free world. You know, there's a lot of resources, a lot of effort that goes into programs, and it's important that um, that that we can finish finish the job to have a, a polio-free world. I think it's and it, it comes back to the equity problem and it's and it's the right thing to do and and it is possible and so moving on to to you know polio eradication um so so what two countries do we see do we still see cases of polio and why has it been particularly uh difficult to eradicate it from these two regions so we have uh cases remaining there's only two endemic countries that's pakistan and afghanistan and we just earlier this year, a couple, couple months ago, actually, in August, the entire Africa region was certified wild poliovirus free, which is huge. This is, this is incredible. So it's certified by the World Health Organization. And uh, I think that at the beginning of, of the partnership, it, it seemed like such a long road ahead. But 
I think that goes to show that it, it is possible to, to finish finish this job in the last two places. And what's making it really what's making it really difficult is um, in both places the well, especially in Afghanistan, there's the continuing insecurity that's going on. You know, there's there's been there's been fighting, there's been war there for such a long time, and that prevents access for campaigns and not just campaigns, but the routine health health system. So people aren't able to access the routine vaccinations that they need to keep them and their communities healthy. And so what happens when we don't have high coverage for routine system, we have to go in with campaigns. So during campaigns, someone knocks on your door and they have the, the oral polio uh, vaccine drops and, and they're, vaccinating, uh, they're vaccinating young children. And to do that, you have to do that over and over and over again. Well, it's really difficult in these places to reach every last child um, with, with these campaigns. So we're seeing that there's not, uh, there's not that population level immunity that we need. But again, it is possible to, to do this and we're trying to shift our strategies accordingly. And so that involves, for example, working more on the routine systems. So in some places, it's, um, it's not allowed to do house to house campaigns. So then we have to kind of adjust and, and strategize for how can we reach children. And then it becomes even much more important to really center on the communities that are experiencing polio infection and, and, and really understand, you know, for each case, you know, what, what, it, what is this community like? How can we, uh, why are they not being accessed uh, by, the, by the campaigns? And how can we work with them and with the community leaders to improve that access? So it becomes even more important to, to, to focus on the, the individuals. So what resources and attitude uh, changes needs to happen for these last two countries in order to help um, get polio eradicated faster? So I know in Nigeria at some point, um, the reason it took so long, one of the reasons, obviously it's a complex uh, issue, um, was because of misconceptions about Western education and culture as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I think there, so there are definitely refusals um, among communities. I mean, the same thing is in the U.S. There's people that don't that don't want to accept vaccines. I think that that's going to be the case uh, pretty much anywhere. Um, but I think that it's it's so important to again going back to this working with with communities and being really in tune to what their concerns are. Um, people refuse for a, a number of different reasons. Sometimes it's because there it's misconceptions, like you mentioned, like they don't trust what's in that, in that vial that, that there's somebody coming and knocking on their door and wanting to access their, their precious newborn child. So um, that's one element. Another, another that's really common is, um, is that it's, there's a lot of communities that don't have that have been marginalized um, and not have resources from the government for a very long time. And so um, let's, let's say like they don't have access to safe drinking water or there hasn't the road to that's between where they live and the main, the main access point that road hasn't been paved or there could be a number or there's a health facility, but there's not medicines available. So a lot of times what we hear are, we call those demand-based refusals, which are people are saying like, why should we accept this vaccine when, when you know you you keep coming to our door, except there, you, all you come with is polio vaccine. What about all these other needs that we have? Um, people's needs are are really varied, and it's not possible to 
provide everything at once. But a lot of times we get refusals based on that. So that's why it's, it's really important to adjust a strategy. It's important to work with communities and try to understand how best we can, um, how best we can address their needs where, where possible. So uh, polio in general has been fantastic at being able to pivot, for example, for the COVID response. And being all of that workforce, all the frontline workers were able to, instead of, instead of looking, going out and looking for polio cases, they were involved with, with providing information for communities for, for COVID to make sure that there's not that misinformation out there. Um, there's polio workers that were involved in testing and, and doing contact tracing and, and all of those things. So, you know, there, there's, been a, there's been quite a lot of other ways that the polio program has been able to support communities. And so we're, we're always looking for opportunities to connect the, the, the programs as much as possible so that this workforce and really the program is a benefit to countries in the long term, long after polio has been eradicated. I don't know um, how others feel, but just from looking at the news, it seems like countries are working on a country by country basis to to come up with a vaccination. What about collaborating together to come up with a vaccine that works for everybody around the globe, regardless of which country you're in? Um, do you have any uh, input or insight to add to that? No, absolutely. That's that's a, such a great point. It is it is so incredibly and it's really important. It's it is incredibly important that 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 the world as a whole is able to to work together collaboratively. And if everyone kind of goes off in their own corner and says we're going to do this alone, it's going to take longer. It's going to be more expensive. And also, we're not learning from from the countries that really have experience in. In these areas, I mean, we we saw for COVID, for example, there are many countries in in um, in sub-Saharan Africa as well as Southeast Asia that had a much you know much more uh, timely response to COVID than than the U.S., for example, did, and that's because of experience with other outbreak situations. So if we don't if we don't have this collaboration, then we're missing out for everyone, and. I think also I wanted to point out the, the Gates Foundation recently released their Goalkeepers report. And Goalkeepers, is it, it takes a look at it, that overall progress on, on certain human development and health indicators and how we're doing on these things. And one of the things that came out is they did some, some analysis and, and some simulations about for the, for the COVID vaccine, what would be the lives averted or lives saved if, if every country kind of had their own vaccination plan versus one that versus a vaccination plan that was equity focused, so targeted towards the folks that need it most, and there was a there was a huge difference in the lives saved by going with the equity approach. So it really is better for everyone to collaborate. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and came away with some information that you can now take with you to create your own change. If you would like more information about Trapes and Globe Lawn Wheels, please visit trapesandglobelonwheels.com. And that's Trapesin, T-R-A-I-P-S-I-N. And for updates and other TGOW-related news, follow our social media pages on Instagram and Facebook, both with handles Trapes and Globe Lawn Wheels, and then also LinkedIn and Twitter. You can find the links below in the description box or on our main channel page. 
We sincerely appreciate your support and we'll catch you again next time.